Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast, conversations that help people maximize their full potential by helping them understand that life is more like a marathon than it is a sprint. From former athletes, personal trainers, coaches, social media influencers, and entrepreneurs, talk about their journey on and off the field and how they maximize their talents once they hung up their cleats. And here's your host, Matt Joy. Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast. In this episode, I interview a real estate investor and agent that formerly played professional football in Spain and at Monmouth University. He has used the same drive he had for sports and puts it into his current career of helping people find their dream homes and growing his real estate portfolio. This guest tributes playing sports for helping him get prepared for entrepreneurship as he believes that team sports help develop many soft skills to help student athletes as they transition into their careers. Without further ado, here's episode six. We're extremely lucky to have an awesome guest here, former, not former teammate of mine, but he actually went to Monmouth University as well. His name is Mitch Pollard. Mitch is located out in Germantown, Maryland, um, and Mitch works in the real estate industry um, as an investor and also as an agent, um, and he's also a personal trainer. Um, Mitch, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Awesome. Hey, look, we're in Long and Foster today, man. It's his, it's his little office here, so we got the little setting going here. Um, Mitch, if you don't mind, give the audience here a little background about yourself before we get started. Yeah, so I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I uh, moved out to the Maryland area with my family when I was about 13. I uh, went to school out here, played uh, high school at Springbrook High. Receiver, DB, punt return, all-around athlete. Uh, ran track as well and got a scholarship to play at Monmouth University where I played receiver, some DB as well, punt returner. Um, from there, I played a year at Shepherd University and then went overseas and played, uh, played in Spain for a season. Um, got back and got into the entrepreneurial game got into training, and eventually got into real estate where I am currently. Gotcha, gotcha. So right after, so I guess what got you, well, before even that, kind of talk about you as a kid. Um, you know, book smart, athlete, ladies man, hustler, like where were you oh, at man. growing up? I guess have, have you seen the development change throughout the years? Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, when you're from single family household in Brooklyn, New York, you, you kind of tend to sway to the streets. Um, that's kind of where I was headed. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a bad kid. And, like, getting into fights, yeah. just like running around. We just like get eggs and throw them at people's cars. Just like reckless, <laughs> reckless stuff, to be honest. Um, my, my mom seen I was getting kind of involved in the wrong stuff. So we moved to a different part of Brooklyn. Um, still went to school like in Coney Island. And okay. she was like still getting involved in the wrong stuff. So she's like, we need a complete change. Mm. And um, we moved to Maryland and you know, Maryland is not, we're, Montgomery County is not really hood, so. It's not, not far from it. I mean, there's parts of like kind of bad, worse areas, but definitely not the hood. Yeah, not the hood. But, um, but even still, got down here and was, you know, you, just a little edge, you know, you don't grow up with, you know, that father figure. So you're just kind of a rebel and um, sports was that outlet for me to mm-hmm. kind of just take out that, whatever it was inside of me, frustration or just like confusion, um, looking for that figure to follow. So I had coaches, I had teammates and. Once I seen that I was excelling in football, I just stuck with that. And yeah. that kind of carried me on from there. Awesome. I mean, I guess I didn't talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm saying like I have a single family mom that, that raised me and my brother. And to your point, I think sports, um, coaches and um, mentors that are almost father figures to you that aren't really fathers, but you know, they almost acted act in that position at that age. Um, talk about, I guess, some figures that you had growing up, whether it's in middle school, high school, that kind of helped you develop and mature into who you are today. And, and I mean, it might be some people that you might forget, but I'm sure there are some coaches that stand out that kind of help mold you into the, the person you are now, and I guess through your transition to college. Yeah, 100%. I mean, early on, you kind of, you sway to people that aren't the best influences, so, you know, like rappers and um, athletes are good influences. But as far as coaches, man, um, my varsity head coach was like a huge influence on me because when I was on JV, I seen that in order to be like top of the top as a freshman or sophomore, you have to be on varsity. Mm-hmm. And I would go to my varsity coach when I was on JV, like, you gotta pump me up, you gotta bump me up. <laughs> and he's like, man, like, you gotta score a touchdown, man. Uh-huh. And, I remember one game we played Blake High School, which is like our rivals. Uh-huh. We're down big time, and I was like big Reggie Bush fan. <laughs> and I get like a I'm was Quab there at the time. Quab was there. Yeah, the look, yeah, shout yeah, out yeah. KB yeah. real quick. Quab, <laughs> and um, yeah, so the varsity coach he's in the stands, he's watching, and uh, we're down big. And I look up, see him, and um, I get I'm playing fullback at the time. I get to carry like a trap up the middle. I break it for like eighty five, mm-hmm. and I flip in the end zone, mm-hmm. like, front flip in the end zone, get a flag, and all that. 
Uh, um, but man. after that game, like he came up to me and he just gave me some validation, like, yo, I see you. And um, ever since then, for the rest of the four years, like he was kind of like that father figure for me and he helped me get into college. And to this day, we have a great relationship. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think, I think a lot of kids can relate to that, man. There's always that coach that kind of helped um, almost mentor, almost like, and then kind of, kind of guide you through that process, right? Because I mean, to your point, when you kind of go home and there's no one that you can really talk about, like not just man stuff, but like stuff that you do want to, you know, you want to figure out when you're in that age, and especially in high school, I think it's that point where you're trying to figure out who you really are. Not, and I don't think you figure out all in high school, but it's that time of confusion, especially when you don't have a male figure like that in your life. Um, I guess I mean, talk about, I know you're a really good athlete, man. Talk about what what you play in high school. Like, I'm yeah. sure it was more than just football. Yeah, I ran track. I wish I would play basketball looking back, but um, I ran track. Back then, I was a big Florida Florida fan. They had Percy Harvin, Rainey, Dempsey, all those track guys. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? If I'm going to be an athlete like I want to be, I got to you know pick up on the speed and I really focused in. I ended up, you know, winning counties for a 55-meter dash, and I'm really focused on my speed. I knew being an undersized receiver at 5'9", I wasn't going to, you know, be out there jumping over over guys. Right. So I knew I had to, you know, win my quickness and speed. So track is something I leaned in towards. And, um, yeah, kind of that kind of took me over the top. You know, I started running some good 40s in my junior year, started getting some interest, and got my first offer. I remember the day I got my first offer, man. I was what was that like? We were playing, we were practicing on, it was an indoor practice, it was like crazy uh, rain outside, mm-hmm. and it was actually Northeastern, Northeastern University, they don't even have a football program anymore, Okay. but D1AA school, they came out, and they see me practicing inside, and it was actually like my leadership that they, they kind of gravitated to, because we're inside, and I'm like picking guys up, and um, they offered me on the spot, like mm-hmm. right there, and I was like, I mean, as a college athlete, you're waiting for, like, that first offer. And be a high school athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 high school athlete, you're waiting for, and everybody's playing for an offer. You know what I mean? You must play to win, but, you know, to go to the next level, you need that offer. And, like, that, again, was another validation. Uh, validation. Like, man, this is a this is where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, obviously, you didn't go to North, uh, Northeastern. Yeah. Yeah, so, I guess, talk about Monmouth, just in general, um, when they offered you, I guess, and then, I guess, your transition into college now from – being a high school stud, now transferring into the college level. Yeah. Just kind of talk about that dynamic and I guess the difference between high school and college yeah. football. So um, once I started getting some offers, uh, Mama came in the picture and I knew if it was if it was up in the air, I wanted to be closer to New York because that's where a lot of my family was. Mm-hmm. So um, Mama, uh, Coach Cal and those guys came down, they sat down and I went to see the school and uh, one of my guys, Kendall was, Kendall Hayden, yeah. was actually yeah. in the area too, shout out to Kendall. Um, he uh, took me on my tour, and I just connected with those guys. Man. Yeah. And, you know, he's from this area, with a good council, and he's showing me around. He's like, "Yo, you gonna be, you gonna be good here, man." Um, took me on my visit, and you know, I just I like the school, I like the campus. I seen that it was potential for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't guarantee no starting position, but you know, I wasn't discouraged by that because I knew I was gonna come and have to work for it. Yeah. Um, so committed, and yeah, man, and getting into college. I wasn't sure what it was gonna be like. Mm-hmm. I used to listen to they had a um like a radio program at the time. I don't know if they still have it. It was like Hawks Radio or something. Uh-huh. And I think they do still. Look, yeah. it's probably developed a lot better into yeah, what it was yeah. too. But yeah. yeah. I, it, it was like just on like the website mm-hmm. and I would I would tap in and like they would have like Jersey guys come and talk and they had this one kid, Jesse Raymond, a running back from the Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um shout out to Jesse too, man. And he's like, I'm running five miles a day. I'm like <laughs> getting it in. I'm like, listen, I'm like, a word? Like and then when I got out there, man, it was like seeing these dudes, I'm like, man, I can compete. Yeah. You know, and my speed is kind of what set me apart. Obviously, good route runner and good hands, but you know, my speed is what kind of pushed me over the edge and able to play my freshman year and started my sophomore year, man. And it was it was good. Awesome. Also, I guess I mean talk about your I mean, I know you were a dude, I heard I mean the things I've heard about Mitch Pollard, I guess as a player, as an athlete, was like freakish athlete. One of the fastest guys on the field, um, you know, quick learner was able to adapt quickly. I guess was the transition to college in terms of speed, strength, size, an issue at all when you first went to Monmouth? Not at all, man. Okay, not at all. Because um, you know, most for most people, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, for me, it was more. I just had the mindset like I always had that underdog mindset. You know what I mean? Because I'm an undersized receiver. Mm-hmm. You go in and then like in my class we had like Neil Sterling yeah. was coming in like six five and you know other guys and I was just like all right man I'm not bigger than these guys but I know for a fact if I like I ran track you know I know my times were like I had like top nation times right. like fifty five meter 
and my 40 was really good, so I knew speed was it for me. Mm -hmm. So just going out there and just winning sprints, like condition, I remember specifically, like I practiced and trained for the conditioning test. And that was like the first time that the coaches got to see me and I was out in front. So I know that's like, that kind of was a good first impression. Yeah. Um, but just even just that day, like coming out there and showing out in the conditioning test, I was like, all right, cool. Like I, I, I'm a small here. validation, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here. Like I belong here. Right. You know, if I don't went out there and I'm gas and got, but I'm looking at dudes that they saying like these are the guys and they like hundred looking at guys. I'm like, oh y'all, y'all not even ready. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So like you said, like another uh, stamp of validation. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't feel like I, I wasn't prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, and I came in with a little bit over arrogance to be honest. I felt like. And I was close to getting an offer from Maryland. Like I literally like had a verbal offer from Maryland. Right. So when they didn't, you know, push that um, the official offer, I was kind of disappointed. I felt like I should have been bigger D one. So right. I, it's almost I, like a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of came in like for real. I should have been like Maryland or you know UVA or something. Yeah. So that was uh, another thing that kind of had me feeling like I was ready. So do you think like so I, I mean I'm not gonna question your work I think but like was working out in the off season ever an issue for you? Because I know a lot of stud guys. To your point, you just said, right, conditioning test, something so simple, that's just effort, right? That's just you taking your summer to really do that test to make sure that on the first day it can't be ready to go, yeah. right? Do you ever feel like you had any issue with, you know, working out off-season training, kind of developing the stuff that you're not good at? Because I remember having a conversation with Eric Summer, mm -hmm. and E was so shocked that when I told him, like, E, like, I was working out twice a day, like, getting ready for, for camp. And, like, he was asking, like, dude, like, how are you, like, how are you so strong in the weight room? And, like... Like, I'm not like the biggest guy, but like I always just like proud of myself. Like I'm just gonna outwork people. Yeah. And like Eric Summon, you know Eric Summon, yeah. beast, one of the better route runners, just receivers that I was around when I was at Monmouth. Yeah. But like, he didn't always put the most work in time in terms of, like on the off time. Yeah. But when he was there, he's working, right? Okay. So I guess talk about that, like your work ethic and how that kind of sets you up apart or how it didn't. Yeah. No, that was never a problem for me. My when it came to working out, I was always on it. Um, back then, like the speed ladder wasn't as like popular as it is now mm -hmm. so I was like one of the first guys that I knew that had the speed ladder and was doing the cones and the drills and stuff like that so I was kind of putting some of the guys at Mammoth on like yo we got to get on the speed ladder you're mm -hmm. a receiver you're a DB we got to get on the ladder so um even that when I seen that they wasn't really you know acclimated to the speed ladder that was something a way for me to kind of step out there as a leader for some of the older guys like I remember specifically as uh, Reggie Hildebrand he played corner mm -hmm. I think he transferred from um I believe Morgan um, he was a bit older, and me and him, we would just get on the speed ladder like in the off season, like summertime. We would stay for summer school. The guys are home, you know, hanging yeah. out. Me yeah. and him are going to class, coming in, working with Tim, the trainer, on the speed ladder, busting out sprints. So the the work ethic was never a problem for me. My biggest thing was just keeping my head on straight, yeah. not getting overconfident, um, and just like listening to the coaches. All right. Right. <laughs> I guess we could kind of transition to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you don't have to spill too many beans if you don't want to. I guess. Talk about now you leaving Monmouth, uh -huh. and I guess I like, kind of pick on that point, right? Like yeah, the mental aspect and the coaching and kind of um, being coachable. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think a lot of a lot of kids need to hear this too, and, and receivers especially. I think you see guys like you know T.O. and Antonio Brown and guys that, and it's mainly receivers because you know we're on the outside and it's, you know we're kind of like, like a prima donna position, Madonna, yeah. You know, and I and I I'll be completely honest, I had that mindset. Like if I wasn't getting the ball, we could have been up. You know, a touchdown. Mm. If mm. I'm not getting the ball, I'm kind of like a little salty for real, you know. And I had that mindset, which um, later on in life, you know, after, you know, you look back, it's like, man, that, that was like a toxic mindset because, yeah. you know, we're winning the game and we practice all week to try to go out and win this game and you're blown because you're not getting the ball. Like, are you really here for the team? You're here for yourself. Yeah. Um, and you see it all the time, man. And I talk to kids now and tell them, like, yo, man, I had that mindset. And you can get only so far with just being talented. After a while, if you're being like a distraction to the team, it doesn't matter how good you are, they'll pull you. Yeah. And to be straight up, and I tell kids all the time, I'm, I'm very upfront with my experience in college. You know, I lost my scholarship. You know what I'm saying? They pulled my scholarship because I wasn't being a team player. Yeah. Um, I was kind of just being like an asshole for real to the coaches um, who were giving me a great opportunity. And looking back in life, I, I've had conversations with the coaches and you know, they've told me like, yeah, man, we were looking out for you. and. You know, they, they're happy that we can have the conversation now and say, you know, you're a good good person. But back then, you just didn't have the, the mindset. Right. You know? And I, get, I mean, was that ever an issue at Springbrook or back in high school? Or was it because you were that star guy that it didn't really matter? No, no, no. I, it's funny because in high school, 
I felt like I had to carry the team, mm-hmm. and you know, in high school, you're the they give you what you want. Yeah, in a sense. So, if you're the state, when you're a stud guy, yeah, for sure. In college, is like, you know, if you ask me, if you ask most of the players, I was still the best receiver, best athlete on the team. I mean, I don't know too many guys that started at receiver and started at DB at D one. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that I did, and it wasn't the the talent thing. It was just focusing on listening to what they're saying and following the system. Just because you know you're not getting the, you might not touch the ball the whole first half, it doesn't mean that you're not good. Right. It just means that yo you might be getting doubled or the scheme. You know, against, yeah. This this week the scheme is not going to you. We got to go to our six five receiver Neil Sterling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And for me it was a little bit of arrogance and, and pride, just like not really trying to just follow in that system. Yeah, I mean, dude, that <laughs> that's tough, dude. I, I'm, I'm dude. But the funny thing is, like, I think you said it spot on, like, young receivers, because when you're in high school, like, you're that guy, mm-hmm. right? Now you're coming to high school at college, and, like, there's multiple talented players around you, so it's, like, at what point, you do have to take a home piece of pie, Oh yeah, right? Absolutely. And, like, and it is, like, it's an ego thing, but I don't think that you really fully reflect until after you're done playing. 100%. And then, like, now if you transition to your entrepreneurship, you are now building teams out into your own business. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had many conversations, right? Like, the quarterback can only throw it to a receiver. He can't throw it to himself, right? 100%. So it's like everyone has their role and responsibility. Obviously, everyone wants to be that X receiver that gets the ball majority of the reps, majority mm-hmm. of the looks. But sometimes, like, the slot guys and the, uh, the Z, like, they, they have to just do their role, whether it's blocking, whether it's being a distraction, whether it's running the guy mm-hmm. off, right? And it's as hard as that is because I was that guy. I played Z. Right, so we had Reggie White Jr., who's a stud, plays on the Giants now, and then my my buddy Darren Ambush, who was a great slot receiver, and like there was many times where I felt the same situation, mm-hmm. and like honestly, Mystic, I probably had, in terms of not as outrageous of a, um, I guess push against the coaches, yeah. but there were definitely situations where like me and TJ Demuzio, like, who's the quarterbacks coach now, like, had altercations about me not feeling like I'm getting utilized correctly or whatever yeah. it is, and it, it is one of those conversations where. As a player, you're trying to put your your feelings out there yeah. at the same time while not trying to look like you're arrogant as hell, uh-huh. right? And then there's, there's that fine line of like really realizing like shit. Maybe you are being a team guy right now, yeah. and you say you want to be, but you're not. Uh-huh. And it's like, dude, you gotta take a home piece of pie. Like, uh-huh. understand your role in this situation, in this week, in this year, and then kind of move on and develop moving forward and learn from that shit, right? 100%. And you see it so much now. Like, you see guys like it's really the receivers. Like, you see guys like OBJ, like. The Giants trade OBJ. You know why would you trade a, a generational player like mm-hmm. OBJ? And you ask that question because you know you're not following in the scheme. It doesn't matter how good you are. And later on in life, you kind of appreciate football. We watch guys like teams like the Patriots, yep. and you see how it doesn't matter what receivers they have. Yep. You know, what I mean, they could bring a guy who's third string on the Dolphins, like a Wes Welker, and he comes in and he's you know top receiver in the league, yep. three four years straight, about fifteen hundred receiving yards. You know what I'm saying? So at that time, I didn't really understand how schemes would amplify a player. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's something that you learn. And then you see guys like T.O. and Chad Johnson and things like that. Talented as hell. Yep. Those teams don't really win. Not not winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You might get your 1,000 yards and you might, you know. Probably cool. more than that. Yeah, you might be cool for the season, but those teams aren't winning. You see guys like T.O. get traded three, four times. It's yeah. like, oh, he's Hall of Famer. He missed the Hall of Fame the first, first ballot. You know what I'm saying? And as outrageous as that is, and as much as people were saying, everybody said that was wrong. Everybody I said that T.O. should have been first battle Hall of Fame. Yeah. But the fact is, he wasn't. And I think part of that also, like, the personality, not issues, but flaws at the time, right? Because I think, dude, it's funny. I was listening to this Gary Vee episode. T.O. was on it. Yeah. And it was very interesting because Gary brought a great point. Like, dude, T.O., like, you just were, pat- you were too early for your generation. Yeah. Think about him and Chad. If they were living right now, Everything that they did, social media, they could do all that stuff. Yeah. And they would be killing it. But it's funny because like him, like someone like Dion too. Uh-huh. So those types of players that have that personality, that 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 out like outlandish personality, like they just like they were almost too soon for their generation. Yeah. And it's like if you transfer it into now, what the guys do now, what kids do now, it's like yeah. it's just up to par as what they used to do. It is right. It is. And I guess now, kind of, you still piggyback on that point, Mitch. I guess for a younger audience right now that's listening to this, mm-hmm. um, talk about like what you would have changed, I guess, or some small, like, what's a piece of advice that you would give to a young kid that's like, yo, you might be a stud in high school right now, but, like, understand that you still have four years of college, and you don't have to be a true freshman and be All-American. I think you said it, man. Um, Just having a long-term vision, you know what I'm saying? 
for me, it was like I was so caught up in like, man, I'm like this year. I'm I'm number seven in the in the league right now. I'm number seven in the conference right now. I need to be number one. Like yeah. I need to go out and have 150 yards this game. And you leave the game with 40 yards, and you're just like thinking about the stats. Um, so not so much focus on the stats as you're focusing on development. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just always getting better. Whether if you have a 40 yard, 45 yard game, but you could have caught an extra pass. You know what I'm saying? Or you could have made that extra block that sprung a touchdown for your running back. It's just always about development and learning from that experience. I carry that with me in business. Yep. You know what I'm saying? If you're, for example, right now I'm in real estate investing and real estate sales, you know, I miss bills all the time. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not, there's no like coach to be like, oh, you, I'm the coach and I'm the quarterback and I'm the player. So I got to look at myself like, all right, how did, why did I miss that deal? You know what I'm saying? Why did I drop that pass? Take it back. Mm-hmm. Right, I can get better. I can practice on that. You know, I can work on that. But just keeping the mindset of I'm always growing. I'm always getting better. So for a young guy playing sport right now, you got four years. Yep. So your freshman year, if you're, you know, you're not getting the tip that you need, you're not even playing time that you that you feel like you deserve. Bust your ass in the off season. Come back sophomore year. Sophomore year, you're not getting the playing playing time you need. Bust your ass throughout the season, off season. Come back. Because really, all you need is one breakout year. Yep. And the good ass part of it's all you need. One breakout year in a good. If you run a good forty, do yep. a good vert. You bench two twenty five a number of times, and you get a look. You get a shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it was more like I gotta have thousand yards this year. Yeah, it's an instant gratification. Back, instant gratification, and yep. not the delayed gratification. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I carry now. And you know, I don't regret anything because you know everything happens for a reason. Yep. And I, where I am right now, I'm at peace and happy where I am right now. And I carry that into business, into the relationships, interactions I have today. And I love being able to because there's so many kids that are like that today. Yep. You know, I go to high schools and you know basketball players, football players. There's so many kids where they're just like so caught up and you know they're not bad kids. They're just they see guys in the NBA and the NFL. They want to be there so bad mm-hmm. that they think they have to be on right now. So to give them that perspective, like yo, you don't have to get it all right now. You can work your way there and just focus on development. Hundred percent. And I think part of that too, social media, mm-hmm. right? So now that kid at that QO, kid at Damascus, they're seeing what uh. Brian Breezy or, or, or whoever is the, the best at their position in the uh-huh. area too, seeing what they're doing as a sophomore, as a junior. Yeah. So then now it puts into their mind like, damn, if, if John and, and, and Mike are doing this, yeah. I need to be doing it, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like your journey, my journey, everyone's journey is a little bit different. The path that we take is going to be different, right? Yeah. To your point, you can snap one year and still get to your goals and whatever it is, right? 100%. Um, so I think yeah, just that, that, that delayed gratification. I mean, dude, I tell people about Hakeem all the time, like, I wouldn't if if you if if we put money on it, if you put money on it, you never would have put Hakeem Valens being in the NFL, right? I, I wouldn't do my sophomore year. I was above Hakeem on the depth chart. Hakeem went to tight end that same exact year. Like I remember, bro. It, it's I just like Hakeem, yeah. that. It's just all like delayed gratification. Like, in the great, he's a great example great of that man of just development. I remember when Hakeem first came in, he was a receiver and he Raw. wasn't polished. You know what I'm saying and. I'm out there running crisp brows at the top of my curl. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the zone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Keem out there, he running, taking him like three, four steps to get in there. But I remember we had a conversation about Keem. Um, and one of my boys was like, yo, he's going to be good, man. And I don't know what he's seen. In it. I think it was just the development. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The first year he came in, you know, wasn't really great at route running. The second year got a little bit better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Slow progression. Just got a little bit better. Just got just better enough. And I think when he made that transition to tight end, that was the move. And he was always, I mean, you can't teach 6'5". Size. You know what I'm saying? So Size. all he had to do was polish up a few things. Mm-hmm. And that development got him there. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a great example. 100%. Um, I guess I'm missing. Talk about one, I guess before real estate, talk about your experience training, um, how, why you got into it, I guess, too, yeah. first. Like, let's just start with that. Why you got yeah. into training? I mean, to be honest, it was an easy transition. I mean, I played football. I've been an athlete my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I understand the body. I understand the anatomy, um, training, the work ethic it takes to be disciplined. And to see results. Yeah, so I understood that. So it was an easy transition. Um, got into it and started working at Gold's and um, kind of seeing that, you know, financially this isn't probably, this isn't the best place Long to term. be. Yeah. So I um, did that for a couple of years. I got into some, uh, some group fitness, which you get a little bit more bang for your buck and you have a little bit more control over your time. Um, but then I also seen that, you know, there's a, another level to that, which is, you know, starting your own training business. Mm-hmm. And um, that's eventually what I ended up doing. And um, I still do some of that today. And it's, it's really fruitful. And 
Uh, I don't train athletes in particular. I, I mentor athletes, and I train a couple of athletes, but I really like to work on people with functional, functional movement. The general population. Activities of daily living, because okay. you know, for the culture we're in today, everybody's dealing with some type of health issues. So. 100%, I mean, just with the state of health and wellness, I think it's an industry that is always gonna be existence in the sen- existing in the sense of people are trying to get in better shape, trying to eat a little bit healthier, kind of get into that routine. Um, so, I mean, I guess now talk a little bit more about real estate, kind of what you do in real estate. Um, obviously, you said you're an eight-year sales yeah. um, and on the investing side as well. So, I guess yeah. kind of tap into that. So, we're actually in my real estate office now. Yeah. It's so, a dope um, spot. Uh, before I got my license, because I'm a realtor now, before I got my license, um, I would Google in college, I had the entrepreneurial itch. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I'm, I'm at school, the only bread I had was refund check. Yeah. Like my refund check, and we used to hit and we used to think you, you were breaded after oh, you yeah, got that yeah, check. Yeah. You get that check and you lit. <laughs> um, so I didn't have no money in college, you know what I'm saying? My mom wasn't sending me no money, and as a full scholarship athlete, you can't get a job on campus. Yeah. So that always messed with me, and I would always look for ways of trying to come up with some extra cash, sell clothes, sell shoes. Um, but we started throwing parties. Mm-hmm. And you know, once I we at the house started doing parties yeah. at the house, okay. and um, you know, we wasn't really making too much money for that because you know, five guys on party at the house, you split it up, you know, it's not really much. Get the keg, and it's yeah, yeah. So I started, you know, studying business at the time, and marketing, and you know, advertising, and you know, being initiative, mm-hmm. taking initiative about you know, starting a business. So um, long story short, I ended up running out of bar, and we threw it was like turn up Tuesday. Okay. And one but what bar was it out there? Brighton Bar. Brighton Bar. Okay. Brighton Bar is right, right off. Uh, Close to mama. Yeah. And um, yeah, it ended up being a banger. Like, and people were like, yeah, it's Tuesday. I don't know, bro. And then the crazy, it was like a fire, like the day before, like next door to the bars. So everybody's like, is the party off? <laughs> and I'm like, and this is when Instagram first started getting buzzing. So I'm like tagging people. I just, I leveraged my relationships. So I would tag like other football players and I'm just like, some of their best pictures on Instagram, I would just post it like, yo, if he's going to be there, fly. Boom. Yeah. Someone's going to be there. He's the guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they would repost it and that just kind of created buzz on campus and once i got a check from that i was like oh yeah i gotta i gotta get to this entrepreneur thing so when i left when i got back from spain um got into training and seeing like there's other ways to get money i just started googling how to make a million dollars to be mm-hmm. honest and um real estate came up in everything that i googled i, I literally went through like 20 different articles and in every single article real estate was in there whether it was real estate agent real estate investing real estate REITs, whatever, real estate was in there, and it took me a, about a year, so I finally decided to pick up a book on real estate investing, and mm-hmm. once I did that, I uh, wholesaled my first deal like a few months later, uh, made $7,000 doing exactly what the book said to do. Yeah, what book was this? Um, the ABCs of Real Estate Investing. Okay. It's uh, part of the Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, that's just a little education thing. Yeah, so went to an auction, found an investor, just like I said in the book, you can find investors at auctions. Um, went on Craigslist looking for deals, just like the book said, you can mm-hmm. find deals on Craigslist. Um, and this is just like luck, honestly. Yeah. Like this is this is like pulling a needle out of a haystack. How I got this deal, uh, analyzing on Zillow, didn't have no MLS, didn't have any realtor. Um, seeing that the numbers kind of work, contacted the seller. He said he's looking to sell for this price. Contacted the investor and said he wants to sell for this price. I upped it like I think ten thousand. Yeah. He's so like, well, I'll give you, yeah. So he's like, I'll give you seven thousand over. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I would have took 2000 over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At this point, I'm just trying it was to. It a win. Yeah, so um, close the deal. A month later, this dude, and I'm still cool with this guy. A month later, he. Uh, yeah, about a month later, he comes and gives me a check for $7,000. And from that day on, I was like, yeah, I got to stick with this real estate. You know what I mean? I, have, I had all the skills to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that was about three, three and a half years ago. And I've been going on ever since. Sheesh. Um, talk about, or I guess, what traits slash skills did you take from being an athlete from yeah. being a on a team sport right mm-hmm. how did that help translate into you being like just one just that first deal getting successful on that first deal mm-hmm. um and then now i guess how you developed your own team how has that helped trend that transition i guess um well athletes and entrepreneurs are is very very similar mm-hmm. um because as an athlete excuse me as an entrepreneur you're out there in the field literally you're out in the field trying to make plays you know what I mean? Nobody's providing a job for you. Nobody's providing a structure for you to go and get paid. When you work nine to five, somebody already set everything up. Yeah. You just come, do your job, nine to five, and you bounce. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you gotta set everything up yourself. 
So same thing with sports. Um, the structure is there after you get on a team, but in order to get there, you got to develop the skills. And sometimes it's God-given ability, but other times people work to develop to develop those skills. Not other, not that's all the time. You have to work to develop those skills. If you ever stop working out as an athlete, like if you think you make it to college and you just stop working out, you're not going. Yeah, you're, you're not going. Yeah, you're not going to get on. You're going to get hurt. Somebody's going to be better than you. So you got to constantly work on your skills. Practice every day as an athlete. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, as an entrepreneur, you gotta practice and read and stay sharp on what you're in every single day. And if not, someone's beating you at your game. Because right now, as a real estate investor, I'm looking for deals. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of other investors right now at this moment looking for other deals. Yeah. Same deals I'm looking for. So you gotta constantly have that competitive edge to push yourself forward and pass the competition. Hundred percent. Um, I guess I mean, has there been times where you're like, damn? Like, this shit's tough. Like, this shit ain't for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sure there's always uh, those talks, and I've had to talk to my buddy Brian. Like, there's always those points in time when you're, when you're, you know, in the office on your own when it's late as hell, and there's no one really there that's pushing you, right? Now, like, talk about, I guess, what it's like to be on your own like that, and then having to push yourself and motivate yourself through, like, all the L's you're taking, right? You just said hundreds of people, million, there's thousands of investors, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're competing against all of them. Yeah. I guess when you take L after L after L after L, I guess talk about that adversity and the overcoming it, yeah. and like what it's like doing that on your own, especially. So I've absolutely had that thought before, like maybe this is not for me. Mm -hmm. This is too hard. Um, but what I always think back to is like, where am I gonna go if I don't, if I don't make it as an entrepreneur? Right. You know, I lived with my mom. You know, what I mean, and I, my mom's Jamaican. I don't, if anybody got like, and I think it's like, I think it's maybe foreigners. Like you have a foreign parent. They kind of have these like customs and culture where they're hard on you. Yeah, you know. What I'm Immigrant saying? parents, I think, just in general, are yeah, they're hard on you because you know they're from a whole other country and this is the land of opportunity to them. Um, so I lived with her and you know, she was hard on me. Yeah, and I remember hard on you in the sense of like you have to move out and like get your like stuff together. She was saying that. <laughs> she didn't. I, I don't think she meant it. I know she didn't mean it, but she was saying because she seen potential in me. Like, yo, you gotta do something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're. She seen like potential, like greatness in me. And yeah. She tells me now, like. I always knew you had potential, um, but she would stress me out. Like every time I would come home, it would just be static. I'm like, yo, I got out of here. So one day I just up and left mm. and went on Craigslist, found a room, rented out a room that was cheap, and I was staying in like bad conditions. But I'd rather that get it on my own than you know being somewhere where I wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Um, and from there, I, I grinded. I literally stacked up money. Um, you know, read about personal development. Started reading more books. Um, started listening to informational content, mm -hmm. um, instructional content, and started really just applying all the stuff that I was reading, just like I did closing my first deal, literally reading the books and just applying it. Um, and from there, I was able to purchase my condo, which is my first real estate purchase, and um, kind of just been moving ever since from there. Mm -hmm. um, I think you hit it spot on, like you were just talking about podcasts and, and audio books and, and books and having that growth mindset. Yeah. I think sometimes when you're working nine to five and you're in that structure, right? Hey, clock in here, or maybe you're on salary, so you know, get to your office and you know, you know what your day to day activities are. Yeah. And you kind of get into that mundane task of like, oh, just completing the task, right? Making those check marks. Um, and sometimes you you get so stuck in that routine. Hey, now it's five o'clock. Maybe you go work out. Hour or two goes by. Mm -hmm. Seven o'clock. Now you're coming home for dinner. You know, whether you're chilling with your girl, or whoever it is, like now you're trying to relax a little bit and it's getting to 9 p.m. and now you want to watch TV or Netflix and chill and whatever. Yeah. Not many, but not much time now to like yeah. start to educate yourself, right? So to start growing in aspects or avenues that you want to build upon. I guess talk about one, what it's like to have a growth mindset. And then secondly, how to sacrifice some time away from Instagram or TV or whatever it is that you do in your free time yeah. to then allocate it to that. You got to be hungry. And I think you gotta be uncomfortable. I, I know there's some people who come up with money. Yeah. Some people come up with connections. And I meet people like that all the time. And it's not that they, they're not hungry, but it's something extra that you have when you come from the bottom. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You carry it a little bit differently and you grind with that chip on your shoulder. I mean, one of my favorite athletes is Kobe Bryant of all time. And this is a lot of my guys at mom know we for the, in the dining hall, we be arguing. <laughs> Yo, man, I'm talking like, Hours. Yeah, I'm sure. arguing about Kobe and LeBron. Yeah, you know I'm saying Kobe was always my guy, but and at that point, LeBron probably didn't even have uh he ain't had no rings. <laughs> he ain't had no rings, so I'm over here arguing like, oh, he got four rings and he got his fifth one. It was like, nah, y'all are crazy. Yeah. 
Um, but he carried like he's in his talks. He would talk about he carried that mindset because he was a foreigner in Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, he carried that chip because he was like a foreign kid who didn't really speak the language. Yep. He was a black kid in Italy, and he just kept that mindset. And I think as an entrepreneur in this business, you gotta have a chip on your shoulder in order to push through all those obstacles because you're gonna run into obstacles. You're gonna be short on money. Yep. You're gonna be short on time because you got a job and you're trying to balance a job and work. Right, you're gonna be short on gas. Like you, you might not have transportation. Like there's gonna be a bunch of obstacles. So if you don't have that chip on your shoulder, like yo, if I don't make it, like I don't know what's gonna happen, then you'll just go back to a place that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I tell some of my boys now that have like a comfortable living situation, but they want more for themselves. I'm like, yo, you gotta make yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, you might need to move out. And that sounds like radical to some people because it's like, yo, but where am I gonna go? It's like yeah. I had that same situation and I just up and left because I was too comfortable. You know, once I got uncomfortable, it was, there's no looking back from here. Yeah. You know, and even now, like, I'm not, like, a multi-millionaire right now, but I still feel a sense of I'm not where I want to be, so I carry that chip on my shoulder, like, still more to go. Right. And it's a never in a pursuit. It's not money that you're in a pursuit of, but it's control of your own life. Right. It's freedom. It's right. financial freedom, just that mental freedom to know, like, yo, I can up and leave right now, and I can go up and do know what what i need to do or what right. i would like to do or just like if you want to have a mental break you just take that day yeah. off and you're like you don't have to um you know as your boss hey do you mind if i leave yourself for work no this know? this world is huge bro plenty of abundance this world is huge like there's so many places i i haven't been to so many places yeah you know what i'm saying but you know i don't like to call like a nine to five slavery but it is some kind of bondage that someone's telling you like yo you can only leave for two weeks well, what if I want to leave for a month and a half because yeah. I'm really enjoying where I'm at. Well, then you'll be fired and you have no way to make money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, two weeks of vacation a year, that's that's not enough. It's not much. Yeah. Um, especially when you're putting your, I mean, shoot, when you start thinking about work, man, think about most people sleep, what, six to eight hours a day and you, what, you work. I mean, some people don't even sleep that. Then you work, what, another nine? Yeah. So if you just do the math, I mean, off rip, that's like, what, 16, 17 hours right there? Yeah. And then you have what seven eight hours to kind of work on your own self i guess and part of that time is what just like transportation back and forth from work and then you making some food for yourself and then maybe possibly working out or doing your hobbies yeah. like dog if you think about it like most of your life you're spent doing your career yeah right so if you think about 40 plus years of working 40 hours a week like that's a i don't mind gonna do the math all the time in my head but that's a ton of hours it's a ton of time oh, yeah. and to do something that you don't love doing like that just sucks and not saying that everyone needs to just go be an entrepreneur right because at the end of the day, like, not everyone can do that, right? Yeah. People have situations that they need to cover their own personal finances, or people just don't want to do that, yeah. which is, there's no judgment regardless, mm-hmm. but I think, like, if you can find out what you love to do, it'll be a lot easier to kind of make that transition because it doesn't feel like work, right? And to your point, it's like when you, you like doing, you like training because it was part of, your, part of your life for all those years, mm-hmm. and then you transfer that into entrepreneurship, into real estate, because you saw that same connection as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, it kind of made that a little bit easier, right? Versus like, dude, if you just got into, oh, I'm just gonna be a lawyer or something, like, you're not gonna, miss, you're not gonna grind like that to no. be a lawyer, right? No, I don't know. I'm sure the books, I mean, not, I'm not gonna judge here, but the books probably weren't your number one priority, right? No. And I'm sure you didn't wanna do that at that point. No. Um, but no, I, I mean, I hear you, dude. That's, that, it's spot on, I think, and I think hopefully someone listening to this is like, yo, you know, chase after what you wanna do, right? Because I think you're gonna put more work into it in the long run. 100%. Um, I guess now, now that we're kind of, and we'll, we'll kind of come, come to a close here in a little bit, um, but I want to talk with you a little bit about social media. Sure. Um, and I know that you, you talk about you mentor some kids, and you're kind of in that space, and, and I, I mean, I love the stuff that you do on social as well. But I guess talk about your current thoughts on the state of social media, um, and I guess how it impacts what you do day to day, and how you kind of market and brand yourself. It's, uh, I think, social media is a two-sided coin mm-hmm. you got the good of social media which is you know branding you can generate leads and business on social media it's a lot of inspirational content on social media you can make connections yeah. on social media but then you got the dark side where you're comparing yourself to everybody yep. you get caught in what they call the scroll hole where it's like oh, i'm just gonna go on here for a few minutes and then before you know you've been on here for an hour um so there's two sides to it and i think I know me personally, I flirt with that line sometimes. Uh, we're trying to just, trying to produce content, but not trying to be on there too much where I'm consuming. Yeah. Try to be a producer and not just a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a, is, a, is a fine line right there that I think we all flirt with. And you know, most people I talk to, they, you know, they admit that 
you know, I'm trying to not be on, and I think we talk about the gram a lot. Like, I'm trying to get off the gram as much as I am because I'm just, you know, just looking. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And you want to control what's being dumped into your mental factory. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, that's why I love the audiobooks and the and reading books and podcasts because you're in control of what you're consuming. What you're consuming is what you'll end up projecting. Mm-hmm. So if you're consuming, for example, a bunch of, you know, rap music and you go on Instagram and you just reading up on the gossip that's going on, you know, the vixens and the models and you just reading up on that, you have conversations with people and they'll be like, oh, we can't really, really right. connect because yeah. you're talking about, you know, all this stuff I'm not really interested in. But if you're consuming things that are positive, instructional, um, influential, inspiring, all right, and you're pushing yourself to become a better you, I think you'll end up projecting, you know, your highest level, your highest potential. Um, so back to social media, I think it is a fine line. Um, and I'm still trying to find that balance. Now, I don't have the answer. You know what I'm <laughs> I think it's all, it's all perspective. I mean, it's your yeah, opinion, obviously. I, I'm still trying to find that, that fine line of where I'm not on there too much just consuming. Um, and like I said, there's good stuff on there. You know what I'm saying? You got guys like your Gary V's and... Um, other influencers who are giving you great content that honestly helps me a lot. Yeah. But then the flip side of it, right under Gary V, there's you know some something that you probably don't really need, and you're watching all that stuff as well. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to control it. I wish there's a way you could kind of just like they so try with the explore page, um, but even that sometimes it's like you see something like oh damn I don't want this on my network. You end up clicking on it anyway. <laughs> I mean I guess you could you could you could mute stuff like you could mute people like or, or certain stuff that you don't want yeah, to that see. Is true. That is true. But. Yeah, but I mean, it's also self-discipline. I mean, it is what you make it. 100%. You know what I'm saying? It is what you make it. Self-discipline. Um, I, personally, I have a timer on my on mine, so when I'm on there for a little bit over an hour, it tells me like, all right, you've been on here too much. Yeah. Some days when I'm just like on it, or if I'm really posting content and I'm interacting, then I'll just turn turn that off for the day. Yeah. But other days, it's like, yeah, I need to get off. It's just a reminder, like, all right, I'm, I need to get back to the actual work. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, people build careers on social media, so the the positive side of it, I mean, the upside is. It's immense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the downside, I feel like a lot of people get into depression comparing yourself to, you know, this guy, he's got all this money and now you're trying to hustle up some money illegally or you're trying to do something that you're really not supposed to be doing. Um, so two sides to it. It can, it can be good or it can be bad as well. Yeah. And I think that that's like, that's spot on, especially for like younger generation kids where I think nowadays, like, dude, I'm sure if you talk to your kids, like, what do you always want to be? I want to be on YouTube. Like, that's what young kids are saying now. Like, think about. I don't think I would, ever would have said that even when I was in school. And I'm not like, I'm not ancient. I'm definitely a little bit older than like the crowd that's in that age now. It's like kids, ancient kids. Hundred percent high school. They tell me I was old. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's so funny, bro? I feel old when I'm when I'm with Coach Plans and his young guys, and like even with my young guys, and like music's getting in the background, and like the Red Hot Chili Peppers is playing, and we start asking kids like, "Oh, you, you guys know who this is, right?" They're like. No? Yeah. I'm thinking like, no, y'all don't know who the Red Hot Chili Peppers are. On the flip end, Mitch, when I'm at Orange Theory, which is like more group fitness, a lot of the older, you know, mothers and fathers that are kind of more in their careers, yeah. I feel like the young, they're like, oh, you just turned 25? Oh, you're still a little baby. You know what I'm <laughs> it's like, I feel like I'd be, like, obviously time, age is all perception, right? It's part of who you're with and, and the environment you're with. So, yeah. shoot, if you're with old people, you're going to feel young as hell. Uh-huh. You're with youngins, you're going to feel old as hell. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, I guess it's that, to your point, there's always that flip side of, uh, uh, who you're hanging out with, but yeah, I think for young kids, man, like with TikTok, with with all these platforms now, it gives them that that emphasis. Like, yo, I, I want to be, I want to be the next next Charlie on TikTok or whoever it is, the next big thing on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like trying to teach the younger generation, not even teach them, but mentor them through that process. Like, you got first of all, like it's not easy just to be a social media influencer, right? It's a no, it's a long process and a lonely process at, at that, right? It's like you're making videos, you're making content on your own in front of a camera, you have to be comfortable talking to it, you know? And I do a lot of people, they're not as comfortable as they think they are in front of a camera. That's real. Right? And like, I mean, I know like, even like Plez, like Plez is, when Plez is with his guys and with his crew, he's so genuine. It's like, yeah. it's on point, right? But like, honestly, sometimes if you if he came in here with just a camera, those would be probably Plez's most shaky times. Yeah. In terms of like, yo, Plez, like, can you say this, like this, <laughs> like this, right? But like, when Plez is in front of his guys, bro, yeah, you it's so genuine, bro. Yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? You gotta get him in his element. Um, and I think that's just kind of piggy- piggybacks to the point, like, how it's not easy, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Obviously, nothing, nothing worth having is easy. Yeah. Um, but I guess, dude, I mean, I guess, like, last piece right here, before I, I have, like, my hot takes thing that I just want to ask you a c- couple quick questions. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, like, we'll just hop right into that, man. Um, so this is part of, like, hot takes. You'll just, I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions. You just kind of 
burp out whatever comes top of mind. All right. Um, so, what is your favorite book? Richest Man in Babylon. Richest Man in Babylon. I guess, and kind of give a quick reason, reason yeah. as to why. Because it's it's a basic book on the basic principles of uh, personal finance. It'll give you just principles on how you can manage your money, how you can invest, how you can pay off your debt. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a short read, so I mean, a teenager could read it. So definitely, Richest Man in Babylon. And that one is like a. If you like ancient times, Roman times, basically that's how like the book is held, right? It's a lot so, of parables. Yeah, so it's like it kind of it's it's, it's awesome how it translates into even now. Uh -huh. um, favorite cheat meal as a trainer? I mean, I mean, I know, dude, I know you like we try to be healthy, but look, people think that trainers don't be like you know what I'm saying? Like yo, people be we be eating crazy too. Damn, favorite cheat meal? That's tough, man. Um, I'm actually lactose intolerant. Okay. But my favorite cheat meal is a Spanish dish. I lived in Spain when I played overseas. Okay. And there's a dish called arroz con leche, which is pretty much rice and milk. Rice and milk. Okay. Yeah, but the way they prepare it is just like, it's amazing. It's literally amazing. There's actually an Indian dish that's very similar. Um, what is it called, man? Rice Rus and milk. Rus I'm just Rus trying to think really quick. Like Rasmalai. That's what it's called in uh, Indian. It's an Indian dish, and it's pretty much like milk and like like cheese, but it's like creamy. It's like a creamy substance, mm. like a dessert. Okay. But it's like packed with calories, packed with sugar. Uh, I I never eat it now, but that if they, I can have my cheat meal, that would be it. Okay. Okay. So that's <laughs> dope. That's dope. Look, let, let me know next time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try that. <laughs> you gotta go to Spain to get that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fake out here. <laughs> Oh man! All right, last two here. Um, top podcast that you like to listen to that you gain value from? Ooh, um, this one. I mean, I guess you can name one or two. I guess your top couple. Okay, I like uh, best ever real estate podcast and bigger pockets. Okay, so the the Joe Fairless one Joe and then Fairless the uh, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, just positive real estate content. Yeah, just fuels me for my business. Yeah, awesome. And, and those are both like one. They both put out daily daily podcasts. Ooh, uh, best ever is daily. I yeah, think, uh, bigger pockets is I think weekly or oh, a couple, couple times. Okay, a okay, couple times. Okay, sweet. And like those are just dope in terms of, um, you know, obviously they're just interviewing guys that are in the industry, and obviously you kind of probably pick up a lot of stuff that you can gain value from. Hundred percent. Um, last one here. There's actually two more. But I'm, I'm gonna throw you this one. I I feel like you might have a. It might come from the heart a little bit more. Name two or three people you know dead or alive that you'd want to have a lunch with. And kind of, you know, obviously to, to not even just pick their brain, but either perspective-wise, want to gain some type of knowledge from them, um, and once again, dead or alive, that, that you'd have that much with. I mean, I guess this one is fresh, definitely Kobe. Yeah. Um, definitely Kobe. Just, um, he's inspired me. Like, we spoke about growing up without a parent, without yeah. a father, and I've been watching Kobe since I was, since I can remember. remember. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's always exuded just greatness yeah so i can sit down and talk to him I'm, i can't wait to read his book his book sold out i had it in my amazon cart um and then when he passed it immediately sold out oh, sure. so let's say i'm able to get the hard copy i'll read that and that'll kind of be like similar just picking his brain a little bit yeah um, getting inside the mind almost. yeah getting inside the mind of just being great you know what i mean and outside of him um someone alive td jakes td jakes td jake he's a uh he's a big time pastor Okay. And but he's he's way more than he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He does real estate development, he does film, he's in the movie industry, full time pastor, um, and just one of the most dynamic individuals I've I've ever, you know, listened to and heard speak. Mm -hmm. Extremely intelligent, um, articulate. Just would love to sit down with him and just pick his brain. I'm actually going to um, a leadership conference in uh, in uh, April. Okay. End of April. Um, and he's going to be there. Denzel, he's running it. Denzel Washington's going to be That's there. Okay. Tyler Perry, um, a couple other pastors. But yeah, he's I'm looking forward to getting some, yeah. some nuggets. Where's that at? It's in North Carolina. All right, sweet. sweet. That's going to be dope, probably. It is going to be dope. That's fire. That's fire. All right, so last thing here. Um, best way for people to reach out to you, right? Whether it's for real estate stuff, mentorship, training. Yeah. Um, I know Instagram is Mogul Mitch. Mogul Mitch. Mogul Mitch on Instagram, Mogul Mitch on Twitter. Okay. Facebook, it's uh, Mitch Pollard. Um, you can reach me, you get all my contact information from there. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right, man, last thing here, what do you want, this is your time, just kind of give the viewers, listeners, um, your little hot take or whatever you want to leave them with, a little piece of motivational advice or just whatever, dude, I don't know. Yeah, man, um, 
and I actually shared this with and I shared this with kids at the high school is just um, everybody has individual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, God blesses everybody with gifts, and that may be you know speaking, teaching, encouragement, motivation. It may be a, a actual uh, talent that yeah. you have, and uh, everybody has their your job is to spread your gift to the world. And I think a lot of people they get so caught up with you know work and you know their hobbies and their activities and their habits that they kind of bury their gifts. And if you look, it's a book, a really good book. I think it's like the regrets of old. It's old people. They talk about their regrets in life. Mm-hmm. And everybody that has their regrets says that they didn't spread their gift. They didn't do enough to spread love or to tell the people that they mm-hmm. they love about how how they felt about them. Yeah. So you know everybody. I would want to spread that to people is just spread your gift and don't live like you have, you know, 10 years because tomorrow's not promised. Yeah. You know, you see that in life, you know, people, people die every day. 100%. So if you have something to say to somebody, if you have something that you really, really want to do, stop putting it off. Just go out and start to pursue it. Whether you got to read a book, take a course. If it's, if you want to be a realtor and you've been procrastinating on taking a course, go take the course. Yeah. You want to be a trainer, you want to do your NAS, go do NAS and go do ACE. Like just do it. And you're gonna be gratified because you're pushing yourself and yeah. you're trying to be great. Um, because at the end of your at the end of the day, you only have what you've done. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have your family, you have your loved ones, and they're gonna remember what you've done. Yeah. So if you've been sitting on the couch and saying, Yeah, I wanna do this my whole life and at the end of life you don't do it, you know what I'm saying? That's what you've done. And that's what you have to look look back at. So the gifts that you have, spread it to the world. Um, be confident, you're gonna be nervous, you might be embarrassed, like stuff that we're doing right now. Like, yeah. I know you've been talking about this for a while, right? And yeah. finally, out, you finally did it, and, I, and I'm proud of you for doing that, and I commend you for that. You know what I mean? So, keep keep that for you, me, let's keep spreading our gifts, let's keep being great. And you know, five to ten years from now, we'll, we'll look back and say, yeah, Hey, you know, that crazy. podcast that we did, that was good. <laughs> and now, I'm like, best podcast in the world. You know it would mean? be dope, it would be dope. That's the Athletes Marathon podcast. My name is Matt Short, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Athletes Marathon podcast. We want to make sure you stay connected with our guests so we'll have access to the show notes and our latest episodes on our website. Head over to www.theathletesmarathon.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, thanks again for listening.